Hello and welcome to Living a Culture of Life podcast by Human Life International. I'm your host, Colleen, and I'm joined today by Michelle Francis, our Mission Network Manager. Welcome, Michelle. It's great to have you back on the show. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. I'm so glad to have, I'm really excited to have you on today, honestly, because we're going to be talking about a really interesting topic that might not sound interesting at first. It's the EU-ACP Treaty, which sounds really boring, but is actually really important and people should know about it. So we're going to be talking today about what that is and why you should care. So, Michelle, let's just start with the obvious question. What is the EU-ACP Treaty? So, for decades, there's been a treaty, essentially an economic treaty, between the European Union and the OACPS, which is the Organization of Africa, Caribbean, and Pacific. So, there's some Pacific countries, the Caribbean countries, and all the countries in Africa. And they have their own... um, global organization. So there's an agreement between the EU and all of these 79 countries. Up until now, it has been primarily um, an economic treaty where they benefit from each other um, with trade and and so forth. And it gave the EU kind of dibs on some of the resources of these countries, which are booming with um, natural resources. it was up the agreements actually these these agreements last 20 years which wow. is unusual for other agreements yeah that's a really long time so it was up in 2020 mm-hmm. and thus started the uh, negotiation what they have come out with this um acp eu agreement is unlike anything they've ever agreed to and unlike actually any other global treaty we've got out there wow. because it's crossing out of you sure this economic elements to it but now it's crushing into the cultures of each one of these cult- of these countries and um forcing the european union's belief system and their own western culture onto these um african caribbean and pacific nations that don't share the same beliefs and so it's it, it's devastating, really. It sounds like the ideological colonization that we've talked about a lot on here, where you have these Western nations being like, oh, we believe that these particular things are right, so we're going to force all these other countries to agree to that, like abortion, contraception, homosexuality, that they're going to force these countries to have to legalize them. Absolutely. And the last time I saw we talked about Malawi and how Malawi, they've tried and tried to get the parliament to agree to being pro-abortion and pro-gay. And every year... They, the people don't want it, so the parliamentarians put it down. This agreement will include Malawi and is an across-the-board pro-abortion, pro-gay, um, implementing um, comprehensive, comprehensive, sex <laughs> comprehensive sex education um, across the board to all of them. So it's like Roe v. Wade. Uh, among 79 countries in one fell swoop, except for worse than Roe v. Wade because... It also has a comprehensive sex education. It also includes the transgenderism and all of the um, sexual orientation issues. So it's it's devastating. Yeah, and it's going to be in effect for 20 years? For 20 years, it so will be So if this doesn't get stopped right now, for 20 years, we basic, pro-lifers basically have their hands tied. They can't like, get abortion to be illegal. There, it's just going to be automatically legal in these countries. Does it override national sovereignty? So it, for certain elements, it does override national sovereignty. Wow. And one of the things, actually, if I could find in the agreement, yeah. um, is it talks about consequences, coercive measures. So the treaty states that appropriate measures will be taken against countries that fail to fulfill their obligations under the agreement. Now, 
And again, this is another huge issue with this treaty or this agreement written up is it's so vague on so many areas. So it just says appropriate measures. It doesn't say what those it are. It doesn't outline what they are. So, you know, the assumption is they will um, sort of be bound, country bound. They won't be able to get visas. Um, they won't get any aid for anything. There will be a financial embargo mm-hmm. and things like that. But to sign something that doesn't even outline. These um, are the consequences if you don't follow it. Is, is, is just madness. And it gives the EU a tremendous amount of power. Is the EU the one basically writing all this and then the other countries have to agree to it? Because it sounds like the EU is kind of the main constructors of this. The, the EU is leading the whole charge. Okay. Um, and essentially bullying these countries of Africa, Caribbean, and Pacific to to sign it. To Say, agree to their right, measures. Right. If you don't, you know, you're not going to get all these things. You're not going to get duty-free trade with us. You're not going to get um, help you need if there's a hurricane or whatever. Um, you You will drop you. And then the appropriate measures is for countries that do sign who then don't implement everything. Is there any measures being taken to force countries to sign this in the first place? Well, I mean, there is an essential bullying. Okay. Because I think they lose loans at the European Investment Bank is one of the big economic factors is if they don't sign and they lose access to that money. Right. I mean, it was, it's sort of like getting in bed with the devil when you borrow money from uh, the EU or the UN, um, and because they can always pull it, absolutely, mm-hmm. and um, and and th- that makes perfect sense. There's also um, these are third world countries, mm-hmm. so if you're offering them millions of dollars, um, even though the EU actually financially they're not that stable, mm-hmm. so they may essentially be writing checks they can't cash, but. Um, these countries are like, well, I mean, we need these things. Or if they promise them free water, even though they've been promising, along with the UN, these third world countries, free water, access to free water for decades, and mm-hmm. all they have is um, comprehensive sex education. <laughs> yeah, so that's that was so, going to be my next question then, is like, what exactly does the treaty spe- specify that pe- countries have to do? Like, what is directly said in the treaty that countries need to follow? Because I think there's a difference in what we're talking about of what it says up front and then what the implications of that are going to be in the future. Sure. Right. Because, and because the language is so vague, yeah, the implications are yeah. vast. So uh, I think it's sexual reproductive health is one of them, which is a very vague topic. <laughs> is there any, what else does it? Right. And, and what do? we've seen under this sexual reproductive health title mm-hmm. we've seen um when they tried to force laws through the east african community mm-hmm. we've seen it in all sorts of different ways it is a, a grand sweeping um access to pro-abortion on demand to abortion on demand <laughs> um to the comprehensive sex education implemented on demand in all schools mm-hmm. um and to laws that now say you know similar to what we deal with here is if somebody comes in and they are transgender or something like that, it you have to hire them, or you mm-hmm. you know there's you have to make a case Otherwise for a gay it's discrimination. couple because it would be it's going to bring in the discrimination. Countries that like Malawi is they don't you know homosexuality is illegal. Mm-hmm. Uganda homosexuality is illegal, punishable, and they will be forced to suddenly have all these things legal, um, and and that's really what it is. Other than your economic trade, mm-hmm. where the EU will get to come in and um, have the same relationship benefit from the resources of these countries, which is what it originally was. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just really a, you have to make all these things legal that we have in our country. 
so interesting because they see them as, I think the way they're doing it is they call them human rights. Yes. So basically they're saying these are human rights. So in order for us to enter into agreement with you, you have to recognize as human rights what we say are human rights. And that includes, I actually found the text in the negotiated text saying um, that they shall further stress the need for universal access to quality and affordable comprehensive sexual and reproductive health information and education, taking into consideration the UNESCO, um, I wrote down what that stands for, United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization, um, international technical guidance on sexuality education, as well as the need for the delivery of sexual and reproductive health care services. So basically, sex ed abortion and that's going to override countries that have that or abortions illegal right so multiple many of these countries abortions not allowed right now mm -hmm. and it's just going to come in throw out those laws and override it with unlimited access to all of this that's right and that what i read earlier where it says there will be consequences mm -hmm. so um you know they have to change their laws or there will be consequences um so it like again it's a sweeping roe v wade it's a mm -hmm. sweeping um declaration but even worse again and more mm -hmm. filled out well and we actually had an episode last week on plant parenthood's sex ed program mm -hmm. and so if any of our listeners want to go watch that you can learn all about what this program's gonna be teaching and that's plant parenthood's but the un's is very similar they're basically i don't they might oh, un they, might use plant parenthood's that's I'm my understanding sure. okay that they do okay mm -hmm. which right which i mean of course even just as human beings according to natural law mm-hmm it's problematic alone. Yeah. But then you, you have these beautiful countries that have held on to natural law, that have held on to the family values mm -hmm. and human dignity. And it's just, um, it's a problem. And the interesting about this treaty is because you've got the OACPS, which is mm -hmm. the, the organization of these, I think it's 79 countries. 79 countries. And then you have the EU. Now, in other things, like with the bill that went with the East African community, mm -hmm. every country involved in that had a voice mm -hmm. and, and, and was addressed directly before the big vote. Um, with this one, this OACPS group kind of is representing all 79 countries, Whoa. which is problematic because then you've got a little country like Lesotho or something like that is not being heard. Mm -hmm. um, now, Namibia came out and apparently they, you know, whether you agree with this or not, mm -hmm. um, and I think it's um, elephant tusks is part of their economy. And one of the aspects of this agreement is that they all have to be destroyed. Anyone's supply of it, everything they have, has to be destroyed. Huh. And so, you know, the Namibian government said, absolutely not. Um, so they're the one of the countries that came out right away and said, we're not going to sign this. And that's more from an economic perspective than from the... This is absolutely an economic perspective. Mm -hmm. But they broke it down, too. Um, they came up with an excellent letter. I mean, really impressive how they broke it down and um, and went through all the threats mm -hmm. to on. Um, so, so so there is an other aspect to this, mm -hmm. um, j just as citizens. Okay, so I want to try to understand how this works. So basically, the OACPS has been representing all seventy nine countries in the negotiations of the actual text. That's correct. But then to agree to the treaty, each individual parliament has to. Yes. So but it's not every single parliament. They only need two thirds. They only need the two thirds. Correct. So basically not every country was represented or it was through ambassadors was represented in negotiating the text. And then if two thirds of these 79 countries agree, it's forced on all 79. That's correct. Wow. And the other countries will suffer, you know, mm -hmm. measures. What happens? Can countries refuse to sign? They can refuse to sign. Um, but then they lose access to those loans. That's right. And, um, and there'll also be sort of, um, 
Luis Martinez and Father Opio. So mm -hmm. Father Opio is in Uganda. Luis Martinez is in Mexico. And there are, you know, two of our brilliant lawyers. And they've mm -hmm. really been heading the um, HLI's charge to defeat, mm -hmm. to try to defeat this and bring it to parliament, bring it to cultural leaders and say, look, this is what's going to happen to your country. Um, and essentially, you know, he, I asked him that question, what happens to the other third? Mm -hmm. And um, and if they don't want to agreement, he said, it's really like kind of a bullying. They're going to be outliers and they're going to be they're going to be punished. They're not going to be able to trade with countries around them. They're not mm -hmm. going to be able to um, have these benefits. They're really going to be outliers. I mean, for 20 years, for 20 years. I mean, it really is full scale middle school bullying. Globally. So if countries stand up for their cultural rights and their cultural beliefs. That's right. And they agree not to sign, then they lose like basically a ton of economic benefits for the next 20 years. That's right. And if they do join, then they're forced to adopt these policies that they don't agree with or else be punished in a very vague way. That's right. <laughs> in a very vague way. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So then what are like the indirect effects of this treaty? How is this going to affect like the church or HLI missionaries? Because that was something that really stood out to me and what Father Opio sent us of saying, I think it's that basically the church won't be able to stand up for traditional marriage without possibly being punished on a legal system. That's right. You know, one of the the great things that affected me was seeing Father Opio's um, passion about this and and and, and fear, mm -hmm. right, as to what to happen. And and as he explained, okay, so we look at this and we say, horrible. All these countries are going to have to adopt these things. Well, we'll just go in there and and do what we do. Do what HLI does is mm -hmm. is keep trying to fight, except for. We rely on on the government, right, to mm -hmm. allow us freedom of movement within a country. Mm -hmm. The a lot of the provisions in here are going to threaten pro-lifers and Catholics and mm -hmm. Christians, whatever the um, religion is, freedom of movement. If they're speaking against abortion, if they're speaking against transgenders, gay rights, or this sex ed program. In the document Father Opio sent us, he said that pro-life missionaries will be persecuted and dragged to courts of law for acting in a discriminatory way, for not improving, improve, for not promoting inclusivity, and the church will be greatly affected. Priests and bishops will not have the freedom to preach the gospel of life, since any promotion of the natural family will be deemed discriminatory. That's right. We're already seeing this in Latin American countries. Mm -hmm. And in Europe, it says here, too. That's right. And um, where there's certain country, I believe it's in France, you can't talk a woman out of an abortion. Interesting. It's illegal. So you kind of have to take these backdoor things to demonstrate that choosing life is the healthiest mm -hmm. um, for that woman without saying abortion is bad because you will be pulled up legally. I mean, it's. Can you do online education that way? In these, If there's a restriction of movement, can people just kind of go online? Can you promote online programs they're going to be able to so educate them access access to the internet mm -hmm. access to laptops okay. that's going to be really challenging in some of these third world countries but that might be one way if this treaty does go into effect to make sure that we can still train leaders in these countries absolutely because that's one thing that we're trying to do with our year-end campaign right now is raise the money to be able to put our on our training online so that we can reach leaders in all 79 countries even if this treaty does go into effect and then because of a matching gift we're also going to be able to unlock the funds if we raise enough money to mm -hmm. be able to um, help Father Opio and Luis go lobby parliaments in person and be able right, to Right, if them. they can actually travel. Yeah. And and again, what we've talked about before, we have thousands up against their billions. And so even going from Uganda to Arusha to meet with the parliament or to Burundi costs money. Yeah. And um, and it it's 
it's challenging okay, for so us. Okay, so what's the benefit then of going to parliaments? Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I, I, it's just a really human benefit of the face-to-face. And this is lobbying countries to not sign? Right. So, at, okay. no, no, not ratify. Right. So the process is, okay. um, first the ambassadors sign. Okay. And if they get two-thirds to sign, but then those signatures need to be ratified in each country's parliament. Oh, okay. I did not understand that because I know that there was, was the signing of the ambassadors what happened in November, on November 15th? November 15th, right. And we didn't get two-thirds signed then. Okay. But they're like, well, you know, take your time. And so it's still sort of, and two more countries have signed since November 15th. So how many, so they're at, they need six signatures to make the two-thirds right now? Right now they need six more signatures. So, but then those signatures, so the ambassador signed, and and it's a good idea because you can bribe an ambassador. You know, you can have mm-hmm. your ambassador drive an Alexis um, because he, he signed, but it does need to go to parliament to be ratified. And then the NGOs go in and start lobbying the parliaments. Here, you'll have this, you'll have this, you know. And the NGOs are going to be like IPPF and USAID. Yeah, Action Aid, Care International. And these are groups that go into these countries and help, help, especially after natural disasters or things. Mm-hmm. If you sign, you know, we're going to put this much more into your country. And if you don't sign... You know, I'm not sure we can help you the next time there's a monsoon, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it's so HLI, we need to do the same thing. So we really need to go to these parliaments right now and say, hey, do not ratify your ambassador signature if these countries do have ambassadors that have already signed. And then on the flip side, go to these countries and be like, don't let your ambassador sign this because that's right. You don't want this to go into effect. Get together with the ambassadors. And, and then, there's no question. We saw it with the East African bill. Mm-hmm. There's no question that being able to sit there with the parliamentarians Mm -hmm. and then also because in Africa, the Catholic church still has some authority Mm -hmm. and they, they listen to their bishops being able to go and speak directly with the bishops and show them, you know, and have them read what is actually in the bill Mm -hmm. because it, and we see that in America, right? That 800 page bill goes through and nobody really knows, you know, half of what's in it. Oh, I did not read the EU ACP treaty before this. I went, I went in the document and I searched sexual reproductive health that I found all the pages that talked about it because I figured the economic stuff wasn't as important. (laughs) Right. Yeah. This podcast. (laughs) And they're so smart. They just slide it in, you know? Um, But so with them being able to be there face to face, it's going to be way more effective. So we we still have time. Mm -hmm. Um, Not only do we have six countries who still haven't signed, then we can work with the ratification. Now, what happens is if they don't get two thirds, the bill kind of hangs there. And, um, you know, and it's again, right, with the EAC, we defeated it last year. They came back again with it this year. Mm -hmm. So we're fighting it this year again, and we will Mm -hmm. not, we HLI is not gonna stop. Our missionaries uh, persevere, they're brave, they're brilliant, and they're out there. but. The NGOs are also very perseverant, and they've and got they the have money. millions of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, so you know that's where we're at. But um, it, it's important for Americans to understand. You know, there's nothing in the American media about this. No, I was trying Even to like Google on the about Daily it. Wire. I, I, I'm shocked that they're not talking about this because this is this is everybody's watching. The countries are watching. The rest of the world is watching. Yeah, if this goes through. I mean, you know, wow, we can get away with that. You're going to see the same things that you see right now <coughs> in America. 
like we've had sex ed in schools for years. Mm -hmm. We've had all these things being pushed and look at where we are right now. And right now there's a whole bunch of countries that are defending life and family. And if this passes, then we're going to lose that as well. Absolutely. And, and there's a, there's a couple other aspects to it. Um, you know, with Henry Kissinger just passing and everything Mm -hmm. and HLI has, has spoken now on the Kissinger report that came mm-hmm. out and um I just was in the, the 70s on yes. that with father yesterday which will be coming out soon right and it's and it's it's important to understand this because this is a part of american history and it's still moving american policy mm-hmm. and this acp eu agreement falls right in line okay so here's like the brief kissinger report thing for <laughs> listeners because i didn't know about it before i came here basically it's the official u.s policy on population which is targeting countries around the world to reduce their populations that we have access to their natural resources. And like I said, there'll be an episode on that coming soon. So keep an eye out for that. But that's the brief two sentence summary. Yeah. Super dark. Yeah. Um, So there's that aspect. I mean, this really does follow, fall right into that. We're going to reduce Namibia's, you know, population, Uganda's population, because we're, we're going to keep them sterile. We're going to keep make sure everybody's having abortions and, mm-hmm. and all of that. But the other part of it, the big part of it that Americans need to understand is this has the potential to give the EU controlling interests in UN votes. So when we're going into the UN as Americans mm-hmm. and there's a treaty or there's a decision to be made that will affect America, will affect the United States, the EU is going to have way more votes than we will. Wow. Yeah. And they're going to have controlling votes because part of this agreement obligates these countries to side with the EU in arbitrary, undisclosed upcoming votes. Wow. It's madness. It's absolute madness. And it is something that is globally devastating. And nobody is talking about it. And nobody is talking about it. I've literally looked up news articles trying to understand this thing better. And one was all in French. And I think it was from one of these countries. I think it was from Nigeria. It was just all in French. And I was like, Google wouldn't even translate it for me. I was like, thanks. (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) Yeah. That's crazy. It's insane. So uh, it is really, really something that needs to be addressed. Um, You know, HLI is talking about it. We're the ones out there talking about it. We're the ones fighting it. Mm -hmm. Um, We just need everyone to listen. Yeah, um, and start talking about it and tell your friends and then donate to HLI so that we can do what we can to stop this and you can help us. That's right, and we can we can continue to get our people out there right now because we don't have the money to travel. Mm-hmm. We're emailing, we're calling um, cultural leaders, parliamentarians, ambassadors mm-hmm. for all of these countries. Um, it would be great if at some point we can travel yeah. and, and see them face-to-face. It's not over yet. We're still in it, so... Yeah. So basically the game plan from here for HLI is to visit these parliaments in person, get them to not ratify it, and then also train local leaders that we can have a grassroots, train everyone in these countries, even if we don't have missionaries in those countries right now, right? Absolutely. And 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 teach them what to look for to just mm-hmm. protect their own country, even their own sovereignty, mm-hmm. um, which is, uh, again, a huge part of this. So even the countries that are maybe a little more liberal can uh, – uh, socially liberal Mm -hmm. can see okay wait a minute this is gonna trump i feel like this is basically like tying up and gagging 79 countries for the next 20 years and saying you just lost your national sovereignty you have to do what we want you to do and you're not allowed to go against us that's right it's a global bullying it very sly yeah Yeah. (laughs) 
I don't even know where to go from here. Like, <laughs> what hope is there? <laughs> Do you think that we have a chance of being able to stop this? We always have a chance. Um, I mean, God's bigger. So um, there's that. And, and even if we don't stop it, we're still going to be in there. It's like nothing's going to stop us and our missionaries, mm-hmm. even if it's harder. Like you said, we've got our online programs. Um, but yes, I think, it, I mean, we're still in for the fight and we still have the ratification. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when... Um, when our missionaries, like our missionary from a regional director from Tanzania, he was able to go to Arusha and Father Opio was involved with that as well mm-hmm. um, and sit with the parliamentarians and really show them. Mm-hmm. And they were mortified and they, they understood that no, this is not our culture. Yeah. Now on this, on top of this, we can say, oh, and also, you know, it's going to Trump. You parliamentarians are going to have to now be at the hest of the EU. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but we need to get there. Yeah. Wow. So what tactics are we using to try to get this to stop? So we're doing in-person lobbying. We're showing the parliamentarians is, and we're telling the church about what the like bishop should be looking for basically. Yes. We're so, and cultural leaders. So, mm-hmm. um, so we're going to anyone with a voice, anyone who's heard, we also are on the radio, our um, affiliates who have access to the radio programs. They're speaking about it on the radio. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, a lot of it is just emailing campaigns and reaching out to people. We've, our guys have gone through, um, our lawyers have gone through it, Father Opio and Luis Martinez, um, and broken it down, made summaries, made it easier to access so you're not having to pour over 400 pages or something. Yeah. <laughs> and um, kind of making a packet of explanation. And then what's the timeline on this look like? Is there any deadline that countries have to ratify their signatures by or what? But is, or is the EU just kind of letting it linger until they get everyone they want? I mean, I think that's a both and. Okay. Um, essentially, the spoken deadline is January 1st. Oh, wow. So that's yes. coming up. It's coming up. That, that's when they have to sign by or that's when their signatures have to that's be ratified? That's when they want it to take effect, which would mean signing and ratification. Wow. They're running out of time. I mean, I, do, I don't think they're going to make their January 1st due date. Mm-hmm. So then, yes. I mean, just like with anything, they'll be like, take some more time. Sorry. Okay. Um, as long as you sign, as long as you ratify, and as long as we end up the all-powerful <laughs> authority over you, we'll give you a few more weeks. Okay. Um, and then eventually, if there's a stalemate, it just sort of sits there. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure back then if they're going to go back to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, renegotiate. ideally renegotiate. Ideally, we'd be like, all right, you know, take the one we've been following for the last 20 years. And we're just going to do that again for another 20 years. Clearly, that wasn't problematic. Or if it was, it wasn't as problematic as this is going to be. Well, it didn't have any ideologies in it, Western ideologies. It was just purely economic. Mm -hmm. So, Well, thank you so much, Michelle. You explained this. I mean, I've been pouring through this stuff, and I didn't even understand the whole signing versus ratification thing. So thank you for explaining this to us. And (laughs) what can our listeners do to stop this? Um, Pray. Pray like mad. Um, Obviously, anything you can give. Um, goes right to our missionaries would be huge, but and I'll put a donation link in the text. All right, that's below in the description. Yeah, that's so great. But can send it to us. Prayer is huge yeah. because we are fighting a tremendous evil, mm-hmm. um, and and there's always a spiritual element to this mm-hmm. that we're fighting the death peddlers. And um, pray, pray, pray. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And to all of our listeners, please like, subscribe, help us defeat this treaty if you're at all possible. Like I said, I'll put the donation button down below so you can follow that link and help us get the education online so we can reach global leaders and also travel to these countries and stop par- help tell parliaments not to ratify this and keep on living the culture of life. God bless.